Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. All characters during the show, such as Donatella Iglesias, Jimmy Coconuts, and Tyler Jerry are copywritten and are satirical. Any similarity to any persons living or dead is completely coincidental. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man... I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! I know the human being and science can coexist peacefully. This was our finest. Guys, this is Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. I'm Sean. This episode, our subject is cancer. This is a two-parter. We're going to start by talking about different types of cancer, what cancer is, um, kind of some statistical information that's really relevant to cancer. And then in part two, we're going to talk about some of those environmental risk factors related to cancer. And then what are the treatments, new and old, to get cancer out of you? Yes. So because this topic does have to do with human health, we need to toss in a disclaimer up here at the top, which is that we are not a medical advice podcast. Do not take medical advice from us, especially Nathan. Or Sean. Fuck that guy. Well, I, I mean, definitely not me, but I'm not going to give it. Nathan might tell you to do something. Don't listen to him. Vaccines are bad. He's a very naughty boy. They're trying to stop me. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why we wanted to talk about cancer is because... Everyone out there in the world is only one to three steps away from somebody who has suffered from cancer and has passed away from cancer. Last year alone, 18.1 million people were diagnosed with cancer. Jesus. And about 9.6 million people died from cancer last year. That's 20 times the population of Wyoming. Is it? I actually don't know. Oh, okay. I don't think that many people live in Wyoming. <laughs> I, th- I thought you were going to, thought you were being clever for a second, but yeah, now you're, you're just sass mouthing me. Yeah, so if you look out there in the world, the number of people who are getting and dying from cancer is actually increasing over time. I mean, that's probably just from diagnosis getting better in developing states, isn't it? Well, Or do you think there's just more carcinogens out there? I don't think it's carcinogens. I think it's driven by two main things. One of them is that as a percent of the population, there's more old people. Right. And... Old people get cancer. That's true. And then the second thing is that in some countries, there's fewer people dying from infectious disease. Mm. Like we're getting better at preventing infectious disease. So people don't die of malaria when they're 35. They're more likely to die of cancer when they're 60. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I think that actually when you standardize it to the age of the people, the cancer death rate has actually been slightly decreasing over the years as we've gotten better at treating. Right. All right. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So we're making progress. There's still a few cancers, though, that are hard to treat, which is why we're going to go over what cancer is, different types of cancers, ending ultimately in the next episode with what are the new fields of treating cancer? What is the cutting edge technology? And what are the old hits? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. All right. So let's hop in. Let's talk about cancer. Sean, what is cancer? 
So let's start out with a little vocab word. And the first word I want to talk about is the word neoplasm. Okay, neo means new. What does plasm mean? Plasm, I think, is uh, some Greek person tossed that in there. I think it means shape or mold or form. So it's a new shape. Yeah, it's like a new shape forming in your body. Neoplasm okay. sounds like in Osmosis Jones 2, if they made that or if it's already made, that like Keanu Reeves would play a neoplasm. God, you are so into Osmosis Jones. It's a good movie. Yeah, you keep bringing it up. It has boomer. <laughs> so the idea here is that in some kind of healthy organ or tissue, you could have some kind of abnormal organization that right. happens, right? So cells kind of growing in the wrong way or in a weird shape. And the um, problem is it's kind of like a communist or it's kind of like a joker by Joaquin Phoenix, right? It's like you got one and then it persuades the other ones to be abnormal too. And then it just metastasizes. Well, so the main thing is that neoplasms are defined by changing up the organization, okay? So it's like, oh, you had like a nice grid network in your neighborhood with all the streets all nice right. and straight and then all of a sudden you got like this like weird fucking set of streets and cul-de-sacs right. and a stuff. lot of a lot of weirdos move in and it becomes a favela yeah okay yeah all right i'll yeah. buy it and on top of that so it's not only an organization thing it's also an excessive accumulation of cells ah like brasilia in 1960s brazil and the development of favelas <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> this is still working, disturbingly. <laughs> I mean, it's, I think it's important to remember that urban development, like favelas, are very different from cancer Jesus. and metastasizing cells. No one pushed the favela reference further than it needs uh, to go. I certainly didn't in a previous <laughs> edit of this. Well, yes. Th- thank you for that disclaimer, Nathan. I'm sure that there's like three people who will no longer think that you're a so tell us, bleep, bleep that word. Okay, so Sean, tell me about neoplasm. Yes. Okay, so the reason why I bring up the word neoplasm instead of just talking directly about cancer is that neoplasm is a bigger category, which includes some neoplasms that are benign. And you'll hear sometimes people will talk about tumors as being a benign tumor. What that means is that it's kind of walled off from the rest of the organ that it's growing in. Okay. okay. And that means that it's not likely to spread at all. Now, benign tumors can still be kind of dangerous for your health in that they can keep growing. Right. And they can exert something called the mass effect. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Which was a pretty fun uh, video game series. I don't remember being my cancer, though. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a good point. But basically... It was dumb. <laughs> the way that the mass effect works is that as that tumor, the benign tumor grows, even though it's walled off and not really spreading, it's still kind of displacing some of your tissue, right? It's like making this lump in a spot. Right. And in some places that can be particularly bad. So, you know, if you have a benign tumor growing in your brain or something like that, then clearly that's like pushing some shit around. You know, I think that was actually the metaphors that uh, early progressives like Jane Addams used about the development of Czech communities in Chicago. Which how was are you ve- still doing Which this? was very offensive and wrong. Okay? We- it is unfortunate how much early progressive history is defined by racial attitudes. It's unfortunate how many times this episode you're going to bring up human beings and the communities they live in as a proxy for talking about cancer. It's going to keep happening, guys. <laughs> We've got to get over it. God damn it. Okay. okay. okay so, so tell so me like- about this malignant neoplasms invasions. Yes. Okay. So in contrast to benign neoplasms, you can also have malignant ones. And malignant ones are ones that are not walled off. 
they are growing out and invading into the surrounding tissue and maybe eventually to distant tissues and organs as well. That's cancer. Okay. Right. And so you can also talk about tumors and tumors are just like a solid mass of a neoplasm. So tumors can be benign or they can be malignant. But the reason why tumors aren't necessarily the same sort of thing as cancer is you can have what are called liquid cancers. That's cool. Okay. And so those are a lot of like the leukemias because they're blood cancers. There's no like solid clump anywhere. It's the cells floating around that are cancer. I always wondered how they made Mountain Dew. And now I know they just like take a needle into a cancer patient and just <laughs> get us a Mountain Dew. God damn it. <laughs> So is that a dig at Mountain Dew? Is that what you're saying? You, you, you don't do the dew? You know, I, I do drink it. I'm not saying I don't like cancer juice. I'm just saying it is liquid cancer. God, okay. But well, I love me some liquid cancer. A, scratch that sponsor off the list. <laughs> That's true. We're sponsored by... Who, who's Mountain Dew's competitor? Is there a competitor to Mountain Dew? I don't know. I think Chernobyl Plus like went out of business a decade ago. <laughs> Mountain so. Dew Code Red. Soviet cancer liquid. Yeah, so cancer is a disorganized tissue with too many cells that are invading the surrounding area and eventually other areas too. That's really bad. How do you get it in the first place though? So that's a great question. Let's take a little break and then we'll get into how do you get cancer. Time. Time is passing. Time is relative. But not for you. You're running out of time. Plan your funeral today with Prudential Life Insurance. We are back with Petri Dish Cancer Part 1. Now that we've talked about what neoplasms are, we have to talk about how you can actually get cancer. And Sean, you told me that your ass aches about this question. Tell me why cancer is such an ass ache. <laughs> I guess coming into this, I did not think that this section about how you get cancer, I didn't think that this was going to be one of the more difficult parts to research. Right, because you're like all up on cancer. Yes, yes, I actually do cancer research in my lab, but I was surprised to find that what I had learned in class five years ago or so is no longer the only theory about how you get cancer. It's already being challenged by another theory. Yeah, so the main theory is called somatic mutation theory. And the way that somatic mutation theory goes is the idea is you have a cell, right? A single cell hanging out somewhere in a tissue, and it starts to get a few mutations, okay? And cells will get mutations over time. Mm. But the idea here is that all over your body, there's all these different cells getting mutations, and then just kind of by bad luck, by chance, one of these cells will get just the right combo of mutations. And this is where it can put God back into the gap, right? <laughs> Leave God alone. <laughs> he doesn't want to be associated God with God doesn't want to leave you alone. <laughs> so look, you have a single cell and it's gathered up the right set of mutations to start to divide uncontrollably, mm. to ignore signals around it, and to start to form this neoplasm. Okay? okay, bummer. So that's the idea is kind of like, a, you know, you got like a lone wolf situation. Right. That you, one guy who watches Joker. <laughs> yeah, I guess. And is like, me too. 
I will also be Joker. <laughs> Gotta watch out for those. <laughs> and usually the idea here is that it actually requires multiple mutations. Okay, so f- mm. for a little bit, like a while ago, some people thought, oh, maybe it's just like one mutation. One mega mutation. Yeah, either turns off a gene that prevents cancer, right. like a tumor suppressor gene right. is what they're called, or hits a gene that turns you into cancer. It's usually called an oncogene. Right. Okay. Osmosis Jones gets hit by the rays of a quasar <laughs> and becomes cancer. God, okay. Yeah. You're like fucking way too in love with that movie. It was like, it was fine. It was fine. Hey, it wasn't like... Hey, keep going. Man. Okay. Don't distract right. us. God damn. Oh, you're not. Okay. Okay. Now, there is another theory that is more recent, and it's called tissue organization field theory, or TOFT. TOFT. Okay. And I think that's like an English education test. Like uh, you have to pass Toft. Yeah, I, you know, I think that one's called TEFL. Yeah, TEFL. TEFL, but TEFL and Toft are very similar. Mm, it's got yeah, a lot of are. similar level there uh, we are. letters. Okay. So the idea for tissue organization field theory is that cells in your body are always in a state of wanting to divide. That's kind of like the default state of life, is to want to divide. And... What's happening in cancer is you're sort of unleashing all of these tethers that keep cells from their natural state of dividing and moving around. That's uh, the Rousseauian theory of cells. Yeah, yeah. Cells are fundamentally good, and society makes them evil. I think it's the other way around a little bit. It's that cells want to divide and run around and have a good time. They want to be like amoeba or bacteria or something. Okay. That like evolutionarily that we all came from single-celled things, right? Right. Who and are so free. what happened when all these cells entered together into a multicellular deal like us, right. that that's kind of like the social contract. Right. We need priesthoods now to like make cells <laughs> Yeah, kind of. It's like, it's like we have these social ties, these social rules, right? I like it. And so cells in tissues do that. They communicate with each other. So our cells are Confucian on some level. We need the rituals, these tethers, to keep us together or we'll become cancerous. Right. So what happens when those tethers start to break down, maybe from things like mutations, but not necessarily from mutations. You can have other environmental things that will disrupt the communication between cells. Cool. Okay. And so that's basically the two big theories is either kind of a lone wolf thing or like a society breaking down kind of thing. Mm. Okay. Cool. And, you know, in that sense, the the sort of ends of the processes are the same, right? There's like, there's inputs, there's shit that seems to like make you more likely to get cancer. So why does it matter? Oh, yeah, If yeah, they're yeah. similar or if their end is the same, why does it matter that we think the beginning might be different? Yeah, that's a great question. That's a great question. So one of the things was in a previous episode, in the CRISPR episode, Andre asked, can we use CRISPR to treat cancer? Right. Right. And the idea that Andre was having was you can use CRISPR to genetically modify stuff. And so if what causes cancer is a series of mutations, then maybe you can use CRISPR to cure that. Right. But if Toft is right, then you can't necessarily use CRISPR really. Right. Because it's more of an environmental problem. It's across a bunch of different cells for maybe kind of more nuanced reasons, systemic reasons. You can't put a jelly on there or something. Right, right. Something systemic. Yeah, you gotta like rub something on there. Yeah, acupuncture. Yeah, put some <laughs> like, ac- acupoint. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. But the main point is that in that case, the sort of like really surgical tool of CRISPR, being able to change the DNA of a single cell that might not be able to solve the problem. I mean, is it possible some cancers operate more off of somatic theory, and then some cancers operate more on the tofto? 
Yeah, so I think that that's almost certainly true. Right. That there are some cancers that we actually have very, very good information that in all of these cancers, you have like this mutation Mm -hmm. going on. Or like this family line is genetically predisposed to this cancer. Right. right? Genetically, right? And which cancers are somatic, we'll figure out in the next 10 years as CRISPR becomes more widely used in cancer research, right? Yeah, and we're already getting some data. I mean, the other part of it is uh, genome sequencing, Mm. right? And so as that gets cheaper, more and more people and their cancers are going to get genotyped. We're just talking normal-ass patients. They're just going to do genomic tests and then figure out what is my cancer. Yeah, so there's a process called patient stratification. And what that means Mm, is... Where rich people get better treatment than poor people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that might be a kind of patient trafficking. <laughs> right, that's, but that's really that, patient trafficking. We don't talk about that. <laughs> but the kind that I'm talking about is the idea that uh, it's like in breast cancer. There's right. all these terms now where it's like, it's like, oh, HER2 positive breast cancer or triple negative breast cancer, right? These kinds of markers where you can tell like, oh, what kind of breast cancer is this? That's interesting. What's the genetic background of this breast cancer? It can actually tell you what kinds of treatments are likely to work or not. Very sexy. But what I will say is that we've started to do some experiments where we've taken people who have cancer and we've looked at the genotype of their cancer, so the DNA. Right. And then we've also looked at the genotype of other cells just on their body. And is that making smat or toft the more accurate theory? more toft more toft because what we're seeing is that if you just take like a random cell from your body you have mutations in it right and if you actually compare the mutations that it has to the mutations in the cancer it kind of might just look like a cancer cell they're pretty similar right including mutations in genes that normally we think of as oncogenes genes that turn you into cancer yeah so like a regular cell just like hanging out doing a normal job might have these fuck-ups in them but they're not cancer. Mm-hmm. They didn't turn into one. Right. So it, it might be possible that realistically all over our body are all of these cells that could turn into cancer. But it's not a lone wolf thing. It's a breakdown of the society around them. Right. Because like them. just some lone cancer cell or a cell that could be cancerous in a community that's thriving, a bunch of tissue that's doing all right, either it'll be detected and destroyed or I heard something pretty crazy in your notes, like the cancer cell is told to commit suicide by other cells. And it just like goes straight seppuku on itself. Yeah, so this is a really interesting thing. Yeah, it's a really crazy thing that we're starting to look into more is how do cells in a tissue communicate with each other? And sometimes cells in a tissue will recognize that a certain cell is like not pulling its weight or doing some kind of weird shit. And it'll start to be like, you should kill yourself. Yes. Kill yourself. It's like 13 reasons why it's fucking evil. Like all the cells start Instagramming the other one being like, just fucking die. (laughs) (laughs) You should die. Oh, boy. I mean, that's what it is, though, man. It's it's insidious. And what we're thinking about, we want to find ways to, this is a a jump in a little bit, we want to find ways to actually go and whisper to that sad cell, die, kill yourself. (laughs) That's fucked up, Sean. I don't approve of that kind of, that's uh, that's an ethical matter. Don't you know each cell is a living thing made by God in his image? (laughs) God's a huge cell. Oh, no. Oh, we've gone so far. Okay, we've so gone anyway. so far. But anyway, look. So, so I think that there are other aspects of this that also lend credence to the Toft idea. Cool. This, this newer theory. Okay. okay. So one of them is that if you were to take cancer cells, let's say in mice, because we're allowed to do this experiment in mice. It's yes. Not ethical in people. Right. So if we take cancer cells out of mice and then put them into another mouse, 
even ones where kind of genetically they're very, very similar to each other, a lot of times cancer won't form. Like these cancer cells just kind of taken out of their context and put into the wrong tissue. Like if you take breast cancer cells and then you put them in the butt. Right. A lot of times they don't form a cancer in nothing, that other spot. Nothing lives in my butt. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You got a diverse microbial community in there. Not even microbial, like a few raccoons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a kangaroo. I have like three koalas up there. You have a diverse marsupial community in there. Kill <laughs> me! No, it's interesting. So basically you're saying like you take one 8chan guy. And he's alone in his basement. He won't do much. But if you take like a community of these guys, give them a form like 8chan, and they start to get radicalized. Oh, you want 8chan to come after us? That's true, though, right? <laughs> very scary. I mean, that's pretty uh, accurate. Yeah, I think so. Because <laughs> I here... think we're all okay with saying white supremacists are a cancer. Yes. Yes. Okay, okay. so here's another example is that if you take embryo cells and then you put them into certain organs, sometimes those can start to form a cancer. Because they're kind of out of context. They're in a different situation than they're normally supposed to be. But if you take some cancer cells and you put them into an embryo, the embryo just forms normally. And you don't end up having cancer. Okay, well, that's good. Basically, those cancer cells can be reprogrammed and told by the rest of the embryo what they're supposed to turn into. So you'll end up having completely functional organs that were originally from a cancer cell. Wow. So you could take a single cancer cell and put it in a uterus and make a baby. Well, you mix it with like a zygote. That makes more sense. Yeah. So, you know. Cancer baby. And another thing that's known out there in the cancer world is that some cancers have more mutations than others. Cool. Okay. But they're still capable of being cancer. So all in all, I think a lot of the evidence suggests that there might be uh, some cancers that are very genetically driven, but a lot of them, it seems more reasonable that it's more of kind of a community tissue-based issue here. Okay, well, before moving on, I've noticed something here. You say there's fungi in pancreatic cancer? Oh, yeah. So the cancer... What are you talking about? Right. So if cancer were just a mutation thing, you'd kind of expect that to be relatively straightforward to look at. But what we've seen is that there are microbes, bacteria, and fungi that we think actually might be related to the start of cancer. Wow, okay. okay. So in pancreatic cancer, they have found little fungal cells, pathological fungal cells hanging out inside the pancreas. And just to be sure, pancreatic cancer, isn't that one of like the ones that you have like a 95% death rate or something? Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, last time I looked, it's like 9% survival over the course of five years. Jesus. So those people are getting killed and there's a little fucking fungi in there. Right. And in this experiment that they did in mice, if they gave the mouse an antifungal oral treatment first and then gave them chemo, mm. the chemo worked better. Interesting. So it was like the antifungal was like killing some of this fungi off first, and then the chemo came in and did a better job. So we don't exactly know what the fungi are doing, but we are seeing that like, it seems like it has some sort of relationship to the cancer. Yeah, it's going to be really complicated to kind of dig in and figure out how the fungi is having an effect, but it does seem to be doing something. And in colorectal cancer, there's bacteria that are in that cancer. And if you treat the bacteria with antibiotics and then do chemo, you also see that go better. All right. And if I remember correctly, bacteria is coated with, uh, has a protein coat, right? Uh, different bacteria, the, the gram uh, negative versus gram positive. All right. So how do we get rid of this bacteria then? 
for this colorectal boy. Right. So actually, one of the cool things that people are trying to do is use phages, which are those viruses that attack bacteria. Right. So some people are thinking, let's give people phages first and then chemo. Okay. Or even just take phages and like super glue chemo drugs onto the phage. Right. And then that way they infect the bacteria, kill the bacteria, and deliver the chemo. Cool, cool, cool. So guys, we're going to take a break. Yeah, and when we get back, we're going to talk about the different kinds of cancer. My name is Tyler Jerry. Every second, four babies are born. If you didn't know that, you're an idiot. And while I insulted you, 32 more babies were born. Whoa, there's another four. And only four to the power four are even mine. That's too many babies. You need birth control. But many are loaded with dangerous hormones straight from the cock of Big Pharma. You don't want Big Pharma's cock, now do you? That's why I'm offering my own Tyler Jerry Traditional Occidental Birth Control. This is a family recipe, passed down since Agincourt. And besides the times it didn't work, it's worked for hundreds of years. We use all natural ingredients sourced from across the former British Empire. Like the whitest hairs of the queen's own head, petrified Zulu liver, Gandhi's wet diaper, and leeks. This'll plug you right up. In the time this ad took, seven million babies were born. In Cathay alone. So buy Tyler Jerry's traditional Occidental birth control today. Very not approved by the FDA. Okay, we're back with Petri Dish. Let's talk about the different kinds of cancer there are. How they're going to get you. <laughs> yeah, okay. So because I think a lot of people are going to end up hearing some of these words, that's kind of why I want to go into them, okay? And so a lot of cancers are named after what kinds of cells they come from. So you have carcinomas. They're from epithelial cells. Those are kind of like the uh, the surface cells of a lot of organs and tissues. That sounds like a fallen angel from Diablo series. Who? Which one? Epithelial. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the angel of death or something? Yeah, it's got kind of an angel-y name. Epithelial. I like it. And then you can also have sarcomas, which is another kind of cancer. Those are from mesenchymal cells. <laughs> <laughs> you like that word? Okay, so we got angelic cells. We got, like, Jewish vaudeville cells. (laughs) What else we got? Okay. And then if you have a cancer of your hematopoietic cells, then you would have a lymphoma or a leukemia. Wait, actually, take a step back. Where even the fuck are these cells? Like, in your body. right. Right. Okay. So here's the reason why cancer naming is sometimes a little bit complicated, is because epithelial cells are in pretty much every organ you have. Ah, okay. Okay? So you would say, oh, I have, there's some lung epithelial cells, or there's some small intestine epithelial cells. Interesting. So you could have lung cancer, but it could be different types of cancer, because it's different types of cells within the lung. Right, exactly. And in some cases, one is much more common than the other. Okay. okay? And are some much more dangerous than the other? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, big time. Mm. Big time. So, uh, for example, in pancreatic cancer, the most dangerous kind of pancreatic cancer is a carcinoma Ah. in the pancreas. Interesting. But in other cases, like hematopoietic cells are not in all the organs. Yeah. Those are cells that form your blood, including your red blood cells and your white blood cells. It's also a type of ancient Greek verse based on rhythms of six. (laughs) Because of the poetic part? Yeah. Yeah, you slut. Okay. (laughs) So, leukemias and lymphomas, those are the liquid 
neoplasms I was talking about. That's like if you have your immune cells be cancerous. That sucks. Cancerous B cells and shit like that. Damn. Yeah. So that can be a bummer. Who watches The Watchmen? Uh, that, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Because they start to go freaky on you. Yeah. Okay. And you can also have cancer of your germ cells. Okay, and the germ cells are the ones that are, like, making your eggs and sperm. Oh, those kind of germs. Yes. Children. Yeah, it's like germinate. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like, get the juices flowing. I mean, germs germinate in a way, too, right? (laughs) Why do we call germs germs, actually? Uh, You know, that's a good question. I'm not sure whose fault that is. I, I think it had to do with, like, life forming out of you know like that a makes pot sense it, it is germinating right yeah it's like one bacteria becomes two later two becomes four later <laughs> is, this a, is this a song that exists yeah it's from spongebob squarepants <laughs> okay <laughs> fuck sings it with plankton <laughs> all right so look out of the germ cell ones there's different kinds there's like germinoma embryonic carcinoma and then one that we'll talk about later because it's really popular it's called teratomas Dude, all these words are so cool. Geronoma is a type of flower. Teratoma is like a really <laughs> fat stegosaurus. I don't have much for an embryo one. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny because I thought that's the one you were going to go the most controversial. I mean, it sounds like an embryo. Yep. <laughs> you can also have melanoma, blastomas, really weird ones like gliomas, meningiomas. These are all named after the kinds of cells that they come from. Uh, oh, so uh, uh, blastomas is myoblastus. Uh, <laughs> I think... They are from something called a blastocytic cell. Okay. Or whatever. Let's not worry about it. Okay, cool. (laughs) Um, That's what blastocytosis is. (laughs) So you can also name these cancers based off of what organ they're coming from. Right, and that's like the more common vernacular, right? Well, you you end up mixing them, okay? Right. So when the doctor talks to you, they might say like, oh, you have a pancreatic adeno or a ductal adenocarcinoma jesus that that means you have a carcinoma that's coming from a particular kind of cell i feel like when that's how the doctor leads he's just trying to show you how he has a degree and you don't (laughs) (laughs) like that's more signaling than anything you have degrees baby you got a degree Uh, in screenwriting (laughs) (laughs) okay so you got all these cancers and who are the top killers okay who's who's smacking our butts the most let me take a guess yeah give it to me I have notes. That's not <laughs> uh, so lung and bronchicolcas, right? <laughs> Bronchoconuts. Yes, lung, tracheal, bronchial. These are the ones that you get from smoking. Right, and thus, and, and a lot of people smoke, as we discussed in a previous episode. In fact, didn't you say a billion? Yeah. Okay, so one out of seven people smoke. Unsurprisingly, 23.74, that's three-fourths of the human body, yep. people die out of 100,000 people worldwide. Yeah, in 2017. And oh. the nice thing is that these are these numbers are actually going down because smoking is becoming more stigmatized and fewer people are doing it. Sure. I mean, it's interesting because you have smoking in like developing nations like Indonesia or China or India. And so they're like a couple generations behind on the whole smoking's like death going to kill you later. Mm-hmm. But like by now they're starting to see it and starting to be like, oh, damn, dude, there's just people dropping like flies. Yeah. So definitely the incidents... And the survival for lung and tracheal and bronchial cancers, you can see the improvement like really big in the U.S. especially. Right. Where smoking cigarettes has become like pretty stigmatized. And we've replaced it with the perfectly safe vaping. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Vaping episode. All right. Plugged it. (laughs) Nice. So then we have colorectal cancer. Right. So colorectal cancer is uh, cancer of the large intestine and rectum. That's one of the ones we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, that got you. <laughs> That's one of the ones we were talking about earlier with the bacteria in it. 
I think rectum is unfair because it was designed to be a funny word. <laughs> Just the rectum, right? Yeah, rectum. I hardly even know him. <laughs> does, that, does that work for you? <laughs> oh, man. Cancer's not funny. <laughs> the word rectum's funny, but again, that's not our fault. Sometimes you gotta laugh. It's probably Shakespeare. Shakespeare okay. probably invented the word rectum <laughs> to like rhyme in like Twelfth Night or something. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so then let's get through some of these other ones. The rest of the top 10. We got stomach. Liver, breast cancer, pancreatic cancer, then we got some prostate, cancer of the esophagus, cervical, and then your brain and central nervous system cancers. Okay, mm-hmm. so that, that's kind of your top 10, but it can be a pretty big range. So like, right. you know, as far as who's passing away from cancer, you know, the lung cancer is about seven times more than the brain cancer, right? right. And that's still in the top 10. Although so you brain got- cancer is way gnarlier Brain cancer is pretty gnarly. You gotta get in there. Yeah, it can be very difficult to do anything about get brain cancer. And 78% of people who do Neuralink develop brain cancer in <laughs> one year. Oh my god. Elon Musk is gonna come after your dick so Just hard. kidding. This is satire. Ooh, the musky boy. He's gonna get in there. <laughs> I wish he listened. <laughs> okay, but what's interesting, right? I see you have a list of cancers that have dropped dramatically. Lung, breast, colorectal, prostate, and stomach. And these are probably for different reasons, right? Like lung... Stop smoking, a society sees a big drop, whereas breast cancer is more about early detection, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. Some of these cancers, it's about all of these checkups that people are doing, and those have been extremely successful. If you can catch a cancer like breast cancer or prostate cancer early, right. then you know you can kind of go in there surgically. You can do a little bit of radiation or a little bit of chemo. You're way more likely to take care of it right. than if you're at stage three or something like that. You know, like the one benefit of having all those ladies magazines is probably because they had like, you know, Angelina Jolie come out with breast cancer and then really spread information about that. Yeah. So it's like all those ass monkey Cosmo editions are totally worth it for ultimately spreading awareness on breast cancer. Yeah, this time the media did it. Yeah, media. I, did I it. believe in them. Um, I don't knock the media as much as other people do. That's because you've been saying yellow stream media every single episode. Yellow stream. <laughs> I just can't get over saying yellow stream. I'm sorry. It's not even funny. I just like the. I just like it. Anyway, anyway. But then we have pancreatic and liver. So epithelial pancreatic cancer is still killing people at basically the exact same rate it has been for like a decade or something. Yeah, I think in 1970 the survival rate for pancreatic cancer was seven percent jesus and now it's about nine percent that was right after the civil war so <laughs> so we've slightly <laughs> this is as grant was president but you know so one of the ones we have improved on was like stomach cool. and one of the things about stomach was that there are certain diet aspects and certain things like h pylori and stuff mm. like that that we kind of figured out could have these really drastic effects on stomach cancer. Right. And so once we kind of knocked that out, stomach cancer rates like really dropped off. Mm. Okay. But with something like pancreatic, pancreatic stays quiet until a late stage. Right. So we don't have any good tests. We can't tell people to feel their pancreas for lumps. You know what I mean? It's it too ambushes you. It's like the <laughs> yeah. Battle of Tunberg Forest. That's totally right. Or and the, the legions of Augustus were attacked by Germanic tribes. I'm not mad about this one. You keep looking at me like I'm going to be mad. You're right. Stop me. That's exactly what it was like. <laughs> I need you to stop me. <laughs> That's when they stole the... Um, the, the Some fucking thing. Eagle or whatever, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That gets Romans so mad. Yeah. <laughs> like, they have our eagle. They were tore up about it. What nerds. But look, th- so the point is, with pancreatic cancer, most of the time you don't know you have it until it's already spread to other organs. It's already yeah. metastasized. And that means that your treatment options are 
really significantly reduced, and that's why it's so hard to survive. This is really interesting looking at survival rates for five years. Pancreatic is super low. Then you have liver and lung, 17 to 18% survival rates for lung cancer or liver cancer, 30% for brain, 64% for colon rectal, 89% for breast, and 98% for prostate. So if you have like one cancer card, do breast or prostate. You're going to make it. Right. And uh, actually, prostate's one of those ones where there's actually some controversy over whether we should be testing so aggressively for it. Right. Because a lot of the times people, by the time they get prostate cancer, they're usually pretty old. First of all, you know, once you start to get old, all-cause mortality kind of goes up. There, there's right. all kinds of things you could pass away from. Right. And cancer treatment's kind of harsh on you. Right. So it's kind of like, do you really want to go through all that ass ache over that prostate cancer? Yeah. A lot of people would, you know, sort of... Uh, Rather die with dignity than be crippled by a treatment right on the verge of death anyway. Yeah, and the odds of dying of the prostate cancer, it kind of takes a little while a lot of times. It's not right. super aggressive. Right. You're way more likely to die something else. Right. So, you know, there's that on one end. But then on the other end, lung cancer, which is really strongly driven by smoking, it's got a really shitty survival rate, all things mm. considered. Especially when you think about how many people have it. Yeah. Right, it was the, It's the number one killer right now, and it only has a survival rate of 17 to 18%. Right. Lung really just comes down to preventative measures. Right. If you just don't smoke cigarettes, you're really just less likely to get it. Yes, although secondhand smoke can also cause lung cancer. So really, you just, everyone just needs to stop smoking is kind of the situation there. Yeah, that's right. I said it. Yeah, authoritarian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm authoritarian and liberal, so that's whatever, whatever it's, evil it, that right. makes me. It's funny because I would joke to say America is the land of the free, but in these ways, we're actually a little more puritanical than Europe. I mean, Vienna just passed a smoking ban in their cafes. Mm. Uh, Europe is like way more hip to like smoking than we are, and they got to calm down because that's naughty stuff. Anyway, so yeah, if you're in the U.S. and you're looking at between 1970 and now, I think sometimes I've got this question from people like have we actually done anything against cancer? You know what I mean? Because like sometimes they'll hear things in the news being like, oh, you know, the scientists figured out a new cure for cancer. Right. And then like they still hear about people dying from cancer. Right. It sounds like there's like not really any kind of movement right. there. And the answer there is that contextually, some cancers has been a lot of progress. Yeah. So from 1970 to now, in 1970, any kind of cancer you got just kind of all together on average, you had a 50% chance of surviving. A coin flip. And now all cancers lumped together it's a two-thirds chance of survival. That's like blackjack odds, baby. Okay, so that's like that's still a really good improvement, and that's shoving all cancers together. And like Nathan said, some cancers we had more progress on than other cancers. So at this point, there's some cancers where if it's detected early, you have extremely good odds of surviving. Okay, but shut, shut the fuck up. Wow. We have a brief aside now. <laughs> on Territorus Stegosaurus. Yeah, yeah. Polynesian. <laughs> Stegosaurus. <laughs> okay, so I've actually gotten a request to specifically discuss teratomas. Who did that? It was, uh... Was it Anna? No, it was... Shout a... out to Anna? <laughs> sure, we can give Anna Anna Koresh. Shot. It was actually a request from a soon-to-be PhD doctor, doctor style, uh, Matilde, who I think at some point we're going to have on the show to talk about skin. It is amazing how you would abandon a life as a German nun to become a scientist. Because <laughs> the name. <laughs> that name is awesome. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she's a Latino. So <laughs> oh, well, I mean, that happens. <laughs> it's okay. a pan-Catholic society, right? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. Okay, so teratomas are tumors, okay? And they can either be benign or malignant, right? So we were talking about neoplasms. Teratomas can be benign or malignant. 
And the thing is, they are germ cell cancers. So the most common teratomas are happening in the germ tissue. So like ovaries are probably the most common place that you get it. But you can also get a testicular teratomas. And infant tail bones. Right, yeah. Sounds so, like a witch ingredient. There's this kind of weird thing with infants where their tailbone is a spot where you kind of have these cells that are sort of germ cell-like. Huh. And so you can kind of very, very rarely get a teratoma there. Is that like because, you know, monkeys would develop tails and we just like, that's a vestigial thing for us? Uh, so tailbones are definitely vestigial. The reason why you kind of have this weird clump of germ cells there is because your tailbone in sort of the embryo development is an organizing spot for your spinal cord formation. And that's important. Yeah. There's like a lot of stuff in there. <laughs> that is very important. And so that little kind of, it's just this little nubbin of cells mm. helps organize your entire spinal column mm. and your brain. A little bit of nubbin makes the spinal cord strong. <laughs> <laughs> so there, you can make teratomas there. The thing is they are germ cell cancers. And since they're, since they're forming from the cells that make sperm and eggs... <laughs> that means that they're sort of like embryos. Okay, that's cool. In that they can often form all kinds of body parts and tissues. Right, it's like at the very end of Akira, where like mm. the guy blows up, and then we have like a little embryonic child in the destruction of the city. Sure, except it's not usually that neatly put together. Sure, if you a take a teratoma <laughs> out and you look inside, sometimes you'll find hair. Mm. Sometimes you'll find teeth. Okay, so it kind of looks like the thing in Total Recall. It's like, start the reactor. <laughs> yeah, except that even that is like a little bit better organized nicer looking. than a teratoma. Yeah. Teratomas are really messed up looking inside. Oof. And you can have lots of different kinds of tissues all mixed together. That's pretty gross. Pigmented optic cups. Ah, oh, gross. You know? So these just have like a lot of really gnarly half-formed cancer shit. Right. Ugh. So there was an experiment that was done with mouse embryo cells. And when you take those embryo cells and you put them into another mouse, you start to get a teratoma forming or technically a teratocarcinoma, but whatever, same deal. So you can start to form one just from taking embryo cells and like shoving them into a random All sorts of wrong places. Exactly. Right. So then you start to have this growing and then you can take that, cut it into a bunch of pieces and then put it into more mice. And then those mice will also get teratoma. Jesus. And then you can keep going generation through generation, right? So you, you can basically take the original cells, turn them into a bunch of these teratocarcinomas over time. And, you know, theoretically, they should start to get kind of messed up, right? Like they're going through generations, so they should be kind of evolving and mutating and everything. But what you can do is 200 generations later, you can take some of those teratomas and... You can basically mix them in with another mouse embryo, and then that mouse will be born without any tumors, with all of the functional organs that it's supposed to have. And if you, like, look at its heart or you look at its lungs or something, the lungs will be, like, half and half. They'll have some cells from the original embryo, and then they'll have some cells that are from the teratoma. Huh. But they all form normally. So uh, this is, I think, I mean, first of all, it's really crazy. I had no idea that they did this experiment. seems like a lot of work. But... The other thing is that I think that that's more evidence for the tissue organization field theory is that even though these cells were perfectly happy to form cancer, they were also perfectly happy under the right circumstances to just form a totally healthy mouse. I'll be goddamned. Yeah. So that's pretty crazy. Huh. So teratomas. Yeah. Wacky shit. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was the digression You're for welcome, Matilda. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's hop back to kind of a statistical overlook at cancer. Mm-hmm. Is there like a final set of demographies we should know about cancer? 
Yes. So I think that this is something that's becoming more and more popular to talk about. And I think it's good that people are aware that there are race disparities in cancer outcomes. So these are differences in both the diagnosis and treatment for cancer among different ethnic groups. And you can have differences in the risk factors. You can have differences in comorbidities or like other diseases they have at the same time. So like people who have diabetes and a cancer are much harder to treat. Right. Sure. Right. So black people in general have higher death rates in the United States for many cancers compared to other groups. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, for example, black women are much more likely to die of breast cancer than white women. And they are also more likely to be diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer, which is the hardest form to treat. Interesting. And black people are nearly twice as likely to die of prostate or stomach cancer than white people. Jesus. So if, you know, a white person and a black person both get diagnosed, the black person twice as likely to pass away. You know, it's interesting because we have a cousin who did the Peace Corps in Cameroon, Mm -hmm. where she was hanging in the village, dated some dude, you know, was just chilling. And they called cancer the white man's disease. Yeah, because uh, it's like no one was getting cancer around there. You would get like worms, right? Like, like they had their business. Sure. But I looked it up. The life expectancy in Cameroon is around 60 years old. Mm. So you could imagine a certain amount of cancer just ain't happening because people are dying before that age risk factor increases dramatically, right? Right. And I, I think in a lot of these countries that are going to see their life expectancy increase right. over time, they're also going to see their cancer incidence increase. And more access to medical attention and thus diagnosis. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. And so in the U.S., Hispanic and Native American women have the highest incidence of cervical cancer. Jeez. But even though Hispanic and Native American women have the highest incidence, so they're getting diagnosed the most, black women actually die the most. Jesus, dude. Of cervical cancer. Wow. And one thing I want to say about cervical cancer is cervical cancer is one of the few cancers that we have a vaccine for so that's like a really treatable thing yes and i think that a lot of that comes down to health access and health information right about what that vaccine can do for you and how to get it effectively and combating any kind of fears or concerns about it that by the way is the hpv vaccine right the hpv vaccine can actually prevent the incidence of cervical cancer this is really something that should be happening much less Oh, yeah. Big time. Mm. And Native Americans have the highest incidence of liver cancer and the highest death rate of kidney cancer. And this comes to environmental factors like the fact that there's high rates of alcoholism in those communities. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Typically, very large amounts of alcohol consumption are very strongly correlated with liver cancer. Mm. So I think that's probably the most common issue. But, you know, in any case, there are a lot of these disparities out there, and some of them should be extremely easy to address. And so I I just think people should be aware of them and should look up the stats and kind of learn more about those issues. So, guys, that concludes our part one of cancer. We've talked about what really is cancer, different types of cancer, all sorts of knickknacks like that. We're going to say for you in episode two, what are some of the confounding risk factors that can make cancer more likely? And then... How do we deal with it? What are the old ways to treat cancer? What are the new sexy cutting edge ways that Sean and scientists like him are going to get cancer out of you? (laughs) Yeah, so let's go ahead and thank Stacy Song, our sound lord. Brian Allen, our artiste. And please follow us or tweet at us on Twitter. It's at Dish Podcast. And then you can also email us at petridishpod at gmail.com. We've got a Patreon, too. 
Come sign up for our Patreon. Yeah, patreon.com slash petri dish. And thank you guys. Have a scientastic, ich benigny day. <laughs> thank you guys. Just a day, just a day, just a day, just a day.